Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. And uh, just a little bit about how my morning's going. Now, granted, I have had one church service, so I'm, re- I'm, I'm on the upswing. I'm on the recovery. I woke up this morning, like I said, got in late. Uh, I was going over some last-minute notes this morning for the message, and my youngest daughter actually decided to stay home. She usually comes early with her mom. And she stayed home with me. And uh, so I, was, I got up early, and I had gotten dressed and, and was in there in the, in the living room getting ready to go over my last-minute preparation for today's message. And I uh, had just been up and walking and praying. And anyway, I, I was in my, had gone to the bath, into the bathroom area, and I hear my daughter scream from the other, uh, other, some other room, Dad, oh, my gosh, look at the bottom of your shoe. Now, I should have told you we have two dogs. Neither of which I love, neither of which I like, and neither of which I want anymore. Um, it was one of those things where you're a little bit afraid to look, and, but I, I went ahead and looked, and sure enough, I had been walking around the house for no less than an hour with, uh, yeah, on my shoe. Uh, and so um, the whole west side of our house, I mean, my closet, kitchen, or closet, bathroom, bedroom, living room, rugs, carpets. And so, of course, you know, you can't just leave it there. <laughs> or you can. Um, and I literally, I was like, this is going to take like a steam cleaning of our whole house. And I told Riley, I was like, just get your stuff. And let's get out of here. I just left the shoes at the side of the, the door and got a new pair of shoes and we walked out. So um, I got to church this morning and I said, honey, I love you. I love you so much. But we have some things to talk about. So, so that's what my afternoon's going to look like. So anyway, like I said, we have, I have two adorable little puppies that would love to make your home their home. And um, <laughs> I told my youngest, since we're talking about parenting today, I'll give you one of my failures. Uh, the, the daughter's my youngest. She goes, ooh, Dad, I, I went ahead and spanked the puppies and put them outside. But she goes, man, I do not want to be those puppies when you get home. And I said, I don't want to be you when you get home and see that they're gone. Um, that's going to be sad, but we'll work through it. It's a lesson. We'll, we'll work through it. Not, not so much the truth. Hang on, let me type in my password. So I'm having to teach from my, my MacBook Pro because, um, yeah, I said it, MacBook Pro, because um, I didn't have time to print my notes because of the whole thing we had just t- talked about kind of got me in a moment. So anyway, glad you're here. And uh, we're in the middle of a series called Family Tune-Up. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about marriage, and I had the, the privilege of teaching with my wife, who enjoyed Leanne being up here the last couple of weeks. Come on. And she's getting a bit cocky. I'm not going to lie about it. She's like, you, you need me to come up there and help you today? I'm like, no, I, I'll do one by myself. Next week you can come back up. So uh, we, we talked about marriage the first couple of weeks. And, and, and just if you missed it, just so you know, this series, Family Tune-Up, this is a series, uh, I think it's the third or fourth time that we've done this series. It's the only st- series actually in the history of our church that I've ever repeated uh, because I just believe it's that important. And I'm coming to understand that it's even more important than maybe I thought it was uh, a couple of pastors, teachers, preachers that I listened to recently have, have made this statement, and it's just, it's so hit my heart. It's a, they say, as, or they've been saying, uh, as the church, we're notorious for answering questions that nobody's even asking, and we make ourselves feel better, feel better by saying, well, they should be asking, and, and, when they, and when 
when I heard that, it just kind of pierced my soul in some ways because it's like, you know what? There, there are a lot of problems in the family unit. People, need to, people, people want help with their marriage. They want help with their finances. They need help with their, their kids. And so the goal of doing this regularly is to give you some, give you some help in those areas that we believe that, that you need. And, and also, uh, the premise, the, the, the primary scripture we started this whole seri- series with was in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And Paul, the apostle Paul, the original church planter uh, is talking to Timothy, a spiritual son, about how to lead or lead the leaders of this church in Ephesus. And he's talking to him saying, hey, these are some things that if you're going to be a leader in the church or someone's going to lead in the church there in Ephesus, here's some things that they need to have. And, and a lot of what he talked about there had to do with the family, talking about the children, talking about the husband and the wife. And, and, and one statement sticks out there. He says, if you can't manage your own household, how can you manage God's church? So what he's saying is, I need leaders in the church that have their homes in order, that have healthy homes, healthy families. Why? Because he wants to lead the church into healthy homes and healthy families. And it's my belief that nothing could change the course of our, uh, of our country any quicker than parents saying, you know what, as for me and my house, as for us and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. Where one's not just affecting one, one, one parent, one couple, one husband and wife coming together is affecting all their children. And I just, I just believe with all my heart it's something that's missing. I was actually talking to uh, four generations of preachers, actually. Well, one's actually not a preacher because she's only two, but she probably will be a preacher. Uh, but four generations of a family uh, of a pastor in, in Idaho area. They were here for the first service, and, and they just talked about how no one's talking about the family, especially parenting. We're going to talk about parenting today. No one's really talking about this. And these are some things, if I'm being honest, that are very, very near to my heart. Um, I haven't completed this task of parenting yet. Uh, I have gotten all the way up to a 12-year-old, so I have some experience all the way up to a 12-year-old, and I try to, for the most part, uh, especially when it comes to my convictions, stay talking about 12 and below, but the principles apply to every, every bit, I, I believe. And it's just, it's just very important to me. I think this is something I'm, I enjoy talking about more uh, than, than anything. But anyway, if you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. I'm going to read a scripture here. Now, a little preview. God had chosen Saul to be the king of Israel. Uh, after a series of mistakes Saul had made, the prophet Samuel had come to Saul to basically say, all right, enough is enough. You're not following God. You're not doing the things that he's asked you to do. And that's where we begin here in verse 13. It says, how foolish, Samuel exclaimed, you have not kept the command of the Lord, the, the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. He's after a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. Now, Acts 13, we actually get a name to this person. Acts 13, verse 22 says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man who's after my heart. He'll do everything that I want him to do. And so I, I, I want to talk just for a moment about David. Who's heard about David in Scripture? We all, know, we all know David. Most of us know David for his victories. We know that David killed Goliath. We know some of the things that David did, but what we may not know is uh, David had some, some shortcomings, if you will. Some of us have heard the story about David and Bathsheba. Uh, and the adultery, and then how he killed Uriah. Uriah was Bathsheba's husband, and he sent him to the front lines to be murdered. So you got adultery and murder. And so although David was a man after God's own heart, there were some areas in his life that he did not hit the mark. And we'll talk about another one of those areas today, and you read this in, in 1 Kings chapter 1. 
It says, King David was now very old, and no matter how many blankets covered him, he could not keep warm. So his advisors told him, let us find a young virgin to wait on you and look after you, my Lord. She will lie in your arms, keep you warm. So they searched throughout the land of Israel for a beautiful girl, and they found Abishag. Abishag? That's a fun name. Uh, from Shunem and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful, and she looked after the king and took care of him. But the king had no sexual relations with her. About that time, now let me pause here. So here we've got David, this hero David, this man after God's own heart, David. He has come to the end of his life. He's old. He's feeble. He can't take care of himself. He's in a very uh, delicate situation towards the end of his years. Verse 5, about that time, David's son, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting, I will make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers, no doubt with his dad's credit card, and recruited 50 men to run out in front of him. Now his father David, now here's what I want us to look at here. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, not even asking him, what in the world are you doing? That was the Braden version right there, but it works, I think. Adonijah had been born next after Absalom, and he was a very handsome man. Here we've got this guy, David, a man who God himself said about David, this is a man who's after my heart. This is a man who's in pursuit of me. We hear the stories of the victories of David and how he led the, 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 the Israels, Israelites. He's a hero of the faith in so many ways. Yet here in the Bible saw fit to put this verse in here. How many of you guys believe every single verse in here is important? Every single verse in here has a purpose. So the scripture, the, 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 the Holy Spirit is, is, is unctioning the writer to put this in here and make sure it's in here. Why? So that today you and I can read this verse and understand this principle. You can love God with all of your heart. You can even be in pursuit of God with all of your heart and still not do a good job of parenting. Just because you are a Christian, just because you come to church, just because you have a certain status, if you will, spiritual status, it does not mean that you'll do a good job of parenting. Parenting takes uh, a very selfless approach. In fact, I want to just read, <laughs> poor David, uh, we're just going to blow him up today. Um, it was th this was just the beginning of some of the story. It says, I wrote these things down. Of course, we just read about one son, the last son that tried to overthrow his feeble elderly father, but he had another son, Amnon, who raped his sister. And then Absalom, another son of his, found out, waited patiently, and then assassinated Amnon. Absalom then fled in fear. He ends up being brought back to his father and given a pardon from his father, David. And then once he was given a pardon for murdering his brother, then he tried to overthrow his father. And then ends up being killed by one of David's soldiers. So you see this series of poor parenting from this, this hero of the faith. Now, like I said, you can be in pursuit of God and not be a good parent, but today I'm saying, let's be both. Let's be both. Let's do both. The Bible tells us in, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, it says, good people, one translation says a wise man, good people leave an inheritance for the grandchildren. Another translation says, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. What's, what's the point here? It's a principle, a, a wisdom principle that says someone, a wise person, a good person is not just thinking about themselves. They're thinking about the, the next generation and the next generation. God thinks generationally. And it's not just important that we think about our relationship with God. We've got to ask ourselves the question, not just about what do I need to do in my relationship with God, but what do I need to be doing 
to tutor, if you will, and point my children in the direction of a relationship with God. David was not even willing to question his children. He wasn't, even to, wasn't willing to discipline them at all. He wasn't willing to have the hard conversations. He wasn't willing to have those, 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 those conversations that can be so difficult at times as parents. And it, it begs the question that I think every parent has to ask themselves. What are we willing to do as parents to make sure that our children fulfill the call of God on their life? What are we willing to do? Are we willing to be that parent that has different rules than all the other parents? That has a different curfew than all the par- other parents? That has a, a paddle on top of the refrigerator? Come on, somebody. What are you willing to do? See, I was fortunate. I, I'm actually glad my parents decided not to come to church today because I'm about to tell a story on my mom. My, my mom, if, if you know her, she will do anything. My whole life, she would do anything to make sure that I was pointed in the right direction. I remember one time when I was in high school, I, I had a girlfriend at the time, and she, was a, she ran track, and um, she was in the quarterfinals or region. I forget what it was, but uh, I asked my mom, hey, can, we, can I borrow your Suburban? Me and some of my friends want to go to, I forget where it was, I think it was Abilene, and watch the track meet. And she's like, sure. And so we get in the car, we go, we watch the track meet. On the way back, this friend of mine, now you should know that at this point in my life, I was not what you would say uh, pursuing God the way I should. And so I had some things that I was working out, and uh, therefore I had friends that were working out some things as well. So um, we're on the way back from this, this track meet, and uh, we, go, we stop at a convenience store. And so I come out, I get back in the car, I, got, I was gassing up, I get some snacks, my buddy comes out. And apparently had found, and, and I'm going to keep, my, my wife, when she's up here, it gets really out of control, and she says things she shouldn't say. So I'm going to keep it PG-13 because I'm the Lord's servant. But um, <laughs> this friend of mine had purchased an item that typically costs around 75 cents from a, a little thing in the men's bathroom. And so he comes out in the, and he gets in the Suburban to show me this item that he had purchased. But this was not an ordinary item. This one had, let's call them bells and whistles. <laughs> not literally. I don't know how that would... Neither. Anyway. <laughs> this was a special one of those items. And all of a sudden, he, he pulls it out. And I'm in the driver's seat. He pulls it out. And he's like, hey, check this thing out. And I literally panicked. I was like, oh, my God, this cannot be in my mom's car. What are you doing? And I was like, get it out, get it out. And I mean, I, I kind of freaked out. And he's like, whoa, you need to calm down. I was like, no, you need to get out. And uh, so uh, I said, get that out. Don't leave it in here. And he was playing with it. And it, just, it was awkward. Let's put it that way. So get it out. And uh, so we go home. And I go to school the next day. And I, I can't remember if this was baseball season. I want to say it was baseball season, and, and I had a game the next day. Uh, our school had a policy. You're not allowed to miss any class whatsoever on the day of a game, or you cannot play. You cannot start in the game. If you miss more than half a day, you can't play in the game at all. And so um, I'm sitting in about second or third period, and a, uh, an office aide comes into the classroom that I'm in and goes up to the teacher. She says, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, we just got a phone call. The office got a phone call from Braden's mom. She said, clean out your locker and meet her at the office. I'm like, 
that's strange. Why would I need to clean out my office, clean out my, my, my locker? So I'm confused, and everybody's looking like, I even had one of my buddies like, you know, you can't miss class today. You can't play today. And I was like, yeah, I know. My mom, you got to watch her sometimes. She just, she, she wigs out. She, who knows what's going on? She probably forgot. She knows how important this is. And so uh, I go, and I, I get my books. And I'm like, no, she said clean out your locker, like clean out everything. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I clean out my, my locker. I go to the office, and, and when I walk in, everybody's looking at me like, man, I don't, I don't know. Your mom sounded kind of crazy. And um, so I... I I see my mom pull up in the, the little tan suburban that we had at the time, and I, and I see her, and so I get my, I've got my books and everything, and I'm feeling awkward. Every, I know everybody's watching, and I walk out, and I'm, at this point, I'm kind of a little smart aleck, and I know you couldn't believe that, but um, <laughs> she, the windows rolled down, and I'm just, I just stop. I don't even go to the car. I'm already in a bad mood. I'm just like, hey, I'm like, hey, what, what are you doing? I can't miss class, or I'm, I'm not going to get to play today. And what I heard next scared me. <laughs> in this most evil voice you can imagine, I just hear, get in the car. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, you need to calm down. and Get in the car, get now. And I'm like, what is going on? So I get in the car. And I, as soon as I sit down in the car, I mean, just straight up Mortal Kombat voice, you know, finish him, you know. <laughs> She, say, she says, you need to start talking and talking now. And I'm like, I'm scared, Mom. Like, I don't, what are we talking about, you know? And so I'm, I, it takes me a second because I'm like, you're freaking out, and you need to start talking to me. What are you talking about? And so she pulls out the, the wrapper of that item that my friend had purchased. Now, I knew the whole story. So I knew, oh, this is funny. I knew how it happened. I knew it was a, a friend of mine that did it. I knew that nothing happened in her car. And so I, I know the story. So for me, it's comical. It apparently was not for her. <laughs> so when she pulls it out, I just start laughing. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That thing? And I mean, it got worse. You think this is funny? <laughs> and I'm like, tic-tac first. And then, and calm down. And um, so anyway, I explained her the story, and it, it, she finally calmed down. I think she believed me. I, I told the first service, I was like, my mom's going to be in the second service, and this is going to get awkward, but she's not here today, praise the Lord. So, um <laughs> I tell that story because there was, because of the way I was raised, I knew my mom would literally do anything to make sure I was going the right direction. She didn't care if I had a game that day. She didn't care if I, and, and just, I mean, not, I'm just saying, I was at, at this time, I was recruited as an athlete. I was trying to get a college scholarship. We didn't, we couldn't afford, uh, to, they couldn't afford to send me to college. If I was going to college, it was going to have to come on a scholarship. I needed that scholarship. I needed to be at that game. I mean, there's all these things at play, but guess what? Mom didn't care about my scholarship. Mom didn't care if I started that game that day. Mom cared more about the fact that my life seemed to be going off track. And I, what I loved about my parents is that I knew without a shadow of a doubt they would do anything they, could, they had to do to make sure that I was going the right direction. And we have to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to do anything to make sure our kids are going the right direction? Will we literally 
do anything? Will we be the parents that have, like I said earlier, that have a different curfew? Will we be the parent who say, you know what, I don't care if all the other 8, 9, and 10-year-old kids are going to homecoming with their boyfriend or girlfriend. We don't have boyfriends in our house. A few amens on that? Not very many. That's okay. <laughs> Hear my heart. I'm not trying to tell you what your conviction should be. But what I'm asking you is if, let's say, potentially, you, for me and my house, we have a conviction that we're not going to start that romantic fire before it's time. God created us to have attractions, male and female. But how many of you guys know, once you go to first base, all you can think about is second base. And once you get to second base, all you can think about is third base. And once you get to third base, that's all. I'm not going to start teaching my kid to play baseball when they're eight. Here's my point. Culture says, oh, my gosh, it's cute. It's not like it means anything. Well, except for the fact that at age eight, they're learning that, that they start holding hands or doing whatever, and they start working out the uncomfortable feeling of holding a girl's hand for the first time at age eight. I want my daughter uncomfortable at age 28. <laughs> I want her thinking I'm in the bushes when she's 28 years old. When her, when her future husband gets on one knee to ask if he can marry her, I want her looking in the bushes. Dad, I know you can see this. Is this good? Did you? You're here somewhere. What are we willing to do? What are we willing to do as parents to make sure that our kids grow up and fulfill God's plan for their life? Is our goal, and, and I guess we should address this now, uh, uh, one of my favorite teachers on parenting and family. His name is Willie George, pastors of church in, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, church on the move. Uh, he did a series years ago called Bullseye, uh, pointing your kids in the right direction. And it's like, what we need to establish right off the bat, what is the goal? When it comes to our kids, what is the target? What is the goal? What is the most important thing? Is it the fact that your kid gets to play soccer every single weekend starting at age five? Because we all know, I'm sure your kid's going to be the next Pele. Maybe Messi. <laughs> Is that the most important thing that they get to play sports every weekend? Is the most important thing that they get to go on vacations that you never got to go on? What is the most, or is the most important thing that your kid knows that the number one priority in our home is the kingdom? Because I would bet you, a lot of us in here, and I say us at times, if we were to look at our calendar, our calendar would not tell our kids, seek ye first the kingdom. Calendar wouldn't say that. Checkbook might not say that. Even the words that come out of mom and dad's mouth may not say that. But isn't that what is shouldn't that be the goal? Shouldn't we be training our kids in our home? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Do your kids know, based on what's going on in the home that you've created, do they know? Do they know that they don't that they know that they know? I'll, I'll give you, and this is maybe a this, share, this shows me some, I got some, th some things I need to work on. I asked my kids last night. We got in late, and I took the kids to, to Chick-fil-A, and I said, hey, girls, me and your mom, and uh, we're doing a series on parenting. And they were asking, is parenting tomorrow? Yeah, it's family tune-up. Yeah, because our kids are very involved. And I said, hey, why don't you tell us, uh, why don't you tell us, I I'd like to ask both of you, what are three things that you think me and your mom are doing well? 
And what are three things that you think me and your mom need to work on? You need to be ready when you ask that question, first of all. But I, one, of the, one of the things that my, my, my oldest daughter said, and it, and it was a win and a loss at the same time, if that makes any sense. But I, she said, you know, I just, I would like, and I'm, I'm being very transparent here. She said, you know, I, it just seems like every time we sit down for a meal, all we're talking about is the church and the message and the scriptures. And it feels like that's all that we're talking about. On one side, I was like, you know what? Maybe we need to include you on the conversation a little more. She's like, sounds like you and mom are always just talking. Da, da, da. Part of me was glad, though. Part of me was glad. Now, granted, I want to say, okay, you know what? I want to make sure I'm starting to include her in more of these conversations so that she doesn't feel like she's on the outside looking in every time. But the other part of me was like, you know what? At least she knows what's first in our home. At least she knows what's first in our home. And I just ask you to consider the questions that you're, if you were to ask that question to one of your kids, based on the conversations they hear you having, based on the things they see you buying, based on the things they see you, or how you spend in your time, based on just a few things that I, you fill in the blanks, what do you think your kids would say? Are we pointing them in the right direction? Is the main thing, is the, is the right thing the main thing in our homes? And as you can tell, they've already brought up the Holy Spirit music to make sure that I start closing. like the Grammys are playing me off the stage, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to really quickly, I'm going to, because I want to make sure you guys get the same thing that the first uh, group got. I'm, I'm going to give you one point today. One point. Children reaching their God-given potential. Children reaching their God-given potential begins with parents that are pursuing theirs. Great parents raise great kids. Ask yourself the question, are you in pursuit of God the way you want your kids to be? I've had people actually tell me this, like, ah, we're not really big church people, but I want my kids raised in church. That could not be more opposite. As a church, we get your kids, if we're lucky, you know, they say this, this is 52 weeks in the year. Sometimes we're lucky if we get them once a month, twice a month. So let's say you're a super Christian, you come twice a month, and the church gets to influence your kids 24 days of that a year. What about all those other days where they're looking to their parents? What about that? Are they seeing their parents pursue God? On a whole nother level, I'll read you this scripture. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 4 says, Solid food is for the mature who by constant use, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Simple question. Are you constantly using your spiritual senses? Are you constantly in pursuit of the things of God? Is it a constant pursuit? Well, the Bible calls the, our children the, the fruit of our womb. Here's another way to look at it. The Bible calls the ch our children the fruit of our womb. They're, they're our fruit. Let me ask you this question. If your pursuit of God and the things of God was a seed and it was planted, what kind of fruit would come up? Would occasional pursuit of God fruit come up? Would Easter and Mother's Day fruit come up? Or would Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God, fruit come up? How can you train your kids in a way that you yourself are not going? They're watching, they're listening, they're learning. But I, the second part of this is, is who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. 
In other words, the ability for you to know right and wrong comes from you staying consistent, staying constant in your pursuit of the things of God. And only then will you know the difference between right or wrong. Why is that so important? Because as a parent, that's what we're called to do. The Bible says train your kids up in the way that they should go. How will you know which way they should go if you don't know right from wrong? Our kids going the direction that they should go starts with parents having exercised their senses so that they even know what's right and wrong in the first place. I'll give you an example. And I, I promise you I'm not going to get any amens on this one, so I just I brought my own amens for this next point. There is an epidemic going around, an absolute epidemic where parenting is concerned. I watch it happen in, in grocery stores. I watch it happen in restaurants. I, I watch it happen in all kinds of public venues. And here's what I see. I see mom take a toy away from little Johnny or a binky away or tell Johnny to sit down or tell him he can't have any more goldfish and an absolute meltdown occurs. I'm talking about fits, flopping, just um, absolute meltdown. And here's the response. Oh my gosh, they're so tired. They, just, they need a nap. That's what it is. Yet it's interesting that as soon as they get back the goldfish, the binky, or whatever it is that they are throwing the fit about, they're not tired anymore. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I'm trying to keep it lighthearted. Here's, here's the point. Is, is, does the kid need a nap? Or does the kid need to know that when you don't get what you want, you can't throw a fit? When things don't go your way and the person you voted for doesn't get elected. Or you sign up to go to college and all of and knowing that it was going to cost $30,000 to go to college. And now all of a sudden you don't think you should have to pay the $30,000. And if you march around your school and pick it enough, maybe they'll not make you pay for what you already used. Let me try this side over here. Here, here's the, and here's the biggest problem to me. You, the world recognizes it. We got a problem with our young people. They don't know how to respond emotionally when they don't get what they want. You know what I think? Apparently, all of America needs a nap. <laughs> Just fixed it. Because that's apparently what people need when they're throwing fits, when things don't go their way. Just a nap. Or maybe they need discipline. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe when, when, the, when the Bible puts in that story of David, a man after God's own heart, it says he never even disciplined his kids. And maybe you're one that's like, man, I, I, we probably struggled in that area. Start where David, the Bible says he never even disciplined his kids. He never even said, what in the world are you doing? Some of you just need to look at your kids and grab them by the shoulder and go, what in the world are you doing? Start there. Maybe the scripture's actually teaching us more about raising our kids than maybe we thought. Maybe the scriptures actually teach us that how they respond when you take something away or you tell them, maybe it's actually telling us how we're supposed to respond. Before I go there, time out. Here's, here's what you have to understand. I, I believe this. I believe most parenting mistakes are made 
especially in public venues. Now, granted, you'd have fewer public spectacles if you had more private spankings, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I genuinely believe this, that especially when it comes to public settings and a kid acts up, the, one of the reasons that parents don't know, they, they might would respond differently at home, but they're so concerned about what everybody else in the room is thinking about them and their parenting at the moment. Especially moms. I know moms deal with this because moms, let's just be honest, they, they carry the bulk of the load in some of these things. And it's interesting. I watch a mom when a kid has a milk and watch the, oh, they, they try to make it sound like, oh, my God, it's so funny. They've never done this before. <laughs> I'm so shocked right now. Did you know that the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child? It's there whether you're a pastor. It's there whether you're rich. It's there no matter what the color of your skin is. It's foolishness is in there. So you just need to rest assured it's in your kid. Your kid going to act a fool. And it ain't got nothing to do with you. But here's what, else, here's what else I've learned. When I understand who I am in Christ, when I understand that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that as he is, Jesus is in heaven, so am I on this earth. You know where Jesus is in heaven? Seated at the right hand of the Father in a position of favor, in a position of grace. So if Jesus is in a position of grace and Jesus is in a, in a position of favor, guess where you are on this earth? in a position of grace, in a position of favor. That's who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say it out loud. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Here, this, will, this is going to wreck some of your theology. Say, God looks at me and sees perfect. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your sins. He doesn't, he doesn't see the, th the times when you weren't the parent you should have been. You know what he sees? He has to look through the, the perfected son, Jesus, to even look at you in the first place. In, your, in his eyes, you are a perfect son and daughter, and you are a perfect parent. Now, you might not be in reality. But he doesn't see your shortcomings. So here's what happens. When your kid acts a fool, and they will, because they got it in them. The Bible says they do. You don't go, oh my God, what is wrong with me that my kid's acting that way? You don't go, you don't look at you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not supposed to be looking at you anyway. The Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He tells us what we're supposed to be looking at. So when your kid starts acting crazy, but you don't go, hang on, this is this isn't me that something's wrong with. This is just the Bible being true. He said foolishness was bound up in the heart of the child, and my child got an extra dose of it, apparently. Then it gives you the courage to respond to the rest of the Scripture. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it out. <laughs> Nothing wrong with me. My kid's going to be just fine. You may have a meltdown right now, but we're going to work it out in the bathroom. We're going to work it out in the car. Can I just, again, we're, we're, what are we talking about? What are you willing to do as a parent? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to say, man, I hate that my kid is acting absolutely ridiculous. He doesn't need a nap. He needs a spanking. So I'm sorry that we're interrupting your meal. 
here's what we're going to do. Continue to enjoy your meal. Me and my kid are fixed to go to the bathroom, have a little discussion about the rod of correction and their attitude. And then if we need to, we're going to take our food and we're going to go eat in the suburban. I, I heard Willie George tell that story for the first time. He's like, you know, I can't tell how many times I had to let my kids know. Because how many guys know if you're, not, if you're not training your kid, your kid's training you. And there are times where maybe they wouldn't get away with something in, uh, at home, but they know at a restaurant or in a public venue, they, are, they know you're trying to put on a, a look. So they're like, I can act crazy. They ain't going to do nothing about it. And I got about a 50-50 shot of them forgetting that I need to whoop it when I get home. Anybody else's parents do that? When you get home, when you get home, you're going to go find a switch. Anybody else had to find a switch to get a whooping with? You come back with like a stalk of grass. <laughs> what are you willing to do? Because I'm just going to tell you, our culture, it, it, our culture would, not, would love nothing more than to play this message on, on, on social media and talk about how terrible an idea this is. We can't teach our kids violence. I, since when is giving a kid a spanking teaching them violence? I'm not saying, hey, let's have a fight. You know, let's put your dukes up, you know. This is one-sided. I'm not letting them hit back, you know. <laughs> what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? Are you, are, you willing to look, are you willing to walk out of a restaurant with the kids get kicking and screaming? Are you willing to do it every meal for the kids' entire two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old year? Because that may be what it takes. I remember we, my oldest, my goodness, Jesus help her. Um, is, is she here? I got to check. Uh, there was a time where, I mean, she was throwing the biggest fit you've ever seen in your life. And she kept throwing it. And I would give her a spanking and she'd go back in her room. And she was trying to kick holes in the wall. And it was like, I think we got a demon. I, I think this, this has got to be a demon. Totally convinced. I, I ended up calling my mom. I was like, Either we don't know how to parent or we got a demon, one of the two. And I don't know what to do here. And I just remember my mom saying, just, no, you keep, you keep bringing the discipline until the rebellious, foolish attitude stops. And I think it was six or seven spankings in a row. And all of a sudden, that rebellious anger kicking. <sighs> all right, I'm up. I'll give up. And I'll just tell you, just so, I mean, I didn't go this into this much depth in the first service, but... I don't think I've ever given my kid discipline, correction, without being sick to my stomach. Ah, man, I hate it, especially girls. And that's another problem. She's like, well, I, I spank my boys, but I ain't touching my girls. You better. Your girl's going to be delivering grandchildren to you at age 12 because they don't have any boundaries. Sorry, I, I, I touched on something there. I'll just leave that one there. I'm just saying it doesn't, doesn't differentiate with gender when it comes to these things. And I can't tell you how many times with, I mean, sick to my, me and Leanne would sometimes get in fights over who had to do it because we hated it. But I remember what Paul said. Paul wrote a, uh, there was a verse, and I don't have it looked up right now, but there was a scripture where Paul was talking to a church, and he said, at first I was sorry for the hard letter I wrote you until I saw the godly sorrow that it produced. Sometimes bringing correction will make you sick at your stomach. But you have to see the joy that is ahead. 
You have to see a child that understands that when you step outside of the bounds, that the guidelines of Scripture, pain comes. And not the pain that breaks you or wounds you. I'm not talking about hurting your kids. That Please hear me. The, the Lord was so smart. He even built us anatomically with this really padded area to be able to withstand the rod of correction. I, it, it, it breaks our heart every time. Except that I, I know I'm doing what the Word says. And there are times you'll have nothing to lean on but the Word. You'll know that they're acting in a way that they shouldn't, and you're like, ah, we just did this. You just got a spanking 30 seconds ago. Leah told me that her, older, her, her brother, uh, her dad, their dad used to wake up every morning and just give him a spanking. He's like, I'm sure you'll deserve this before the day's over with. It was a joke, but that's how it kind of, it can feel that way sometimes. It's like, I just, my kid's going to hate me. <laughs> Let me just, <laughs> this is how we raised our kids. And last night, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. Last night, I, when I was asking my kids you know, what we could do better, what they think we do a good job at, I asked my oldest daughter, and I was like, hey, there's, there's a story I want to share, and I'm going to share the story next week, but there's a story I want to share um, about you, but I want your permission to share the story first because it's a, it's kind of a sensitive, uh, sensitive story. And uh, between services, she came up to me. She goes, "Hey, Dad, I know you didn't tell that story about me in the first service, but I just want you to know, if you want to tell it in the second service, you can. Parents need to hear this. Fathers need to hear this. Mothers need to hear this. And here it is, my daughter at age twelve." Although we've disciplined this way, there's been times where we have hard lines drawn in the sand. It's such a value to her, even at age 12, that she's willing to let me tell a story about her to hundreds and hundreds of people because now she knows what fruit is already produced in her life. I'm just telling you, you're not ruining your kids when you spank them. They're not going to grow up and hate you. They're not going to grow up and dislike you. They know, they will come, they will they will grow up and know this was right. This was right. She, when one of the things she asked, told Leanne, Leanne says, what's the one thing I need to work on? And Susanna goes, I know I'm going to regret this, but sometimes you're too nice and we need in trouble more often. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking, I believe with all of my heart, nothing will change the course of our country quicker than parenting and doing it the right way. Unfortunately, the world looks at the church and goes, man, they got the same problems we have, and so they're not coming to us for answers because apparently we have the same problems. I believe it's time for the church to have more answers than we do problems. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.